Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Highland Baptist Church Network and the audio broadcast ministry of our church. We pray that you would join us on Easter Sunday, April 4th. We are going to have a fantastic day of worshiping our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, along with an Easter egg hunt for the kids. Today, Pastor Brian continues in the series, Living Right Side Up in an Upside Down World from the Book of James. The Book of James gives practical actions a believer can take in the times in which we live. Here is Pastor Brian with part one of a two-part message, Living Right Side Up, the heart of the matter. Well, thanks so much for that song. As I was listening to her sing it, I was thinking, man, I believe all of us could echo what she was singing. Many times in our lives, we, we come to something that we're dealing with. And many times we just say, Lord, you know. You, you know what it is. I, I, I came into my mind what to say, how to pray to you. And so it's at those times we say, Lord, please hear my heart. Living right side up in an upside down world, the heart of the matter. I believe, as I looked at it and studied, I'm pretty sure it will be, this is going to be a two-part message. That's why if you have your notes there in the middle of the of the worship guide of the bulletin, you will see it says part two next week. Probably will be part two next week. And um, I didn't want to have to rush through it, and so we're going to do a part two next week. Throughout this series, we have been looking at James, the book of James, and we've been looking at the fact that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead, and What we've also understood is that works does not produce faith, but faith should produce works in your life. And so we've learned about that. You cannot say that you have faith and there are no works that follow because faith without works is dead. So this morning I want us to really look at living right side up and upside down world, the heart of the matter from James chapter 5. And I'm only going to read verses 1 through 12 this morning, and then we'll look next week at verses 13 through 20. James chapter 5, and we look at verses 1 through 12. And um, as you're finding it in your copy of God's Word, wherever that may be, we do have some Bibles there in the pews. If you brought yours with you, if you have your phone with you, and you don't have the Bible app, download the Bible app, you can have it right with you right there too. So, As you're finding that, if you'll please stand with me in honor and reverence for reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible, inerrant word. Beginning in verse number one. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. 
Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain? You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us prepare our hearts, help us to understand what it means to live right side up in a world that surely is upside down. And Lord, today I pray as we look at this passage of Scripture, help us understand what it means for us to be generous with those around us, and to be patient with those around us. And Lord, today I pray to me by the cross that I can preach your word with passion, with conviction, without any reservation. It's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. Amen. As you prepare your heart, there are three actions you apply to your life, and this week we'll look at the first two, this week. So first of all, be generous with others. Just be generous with others. Here, James denounced the rich, and he appears to have included all rich people, both believers and unbelievers. There is no plea for reform, only a grim warning that hoarded wealth brings consternation, it ends with corrosion, and results in condemnation. So now the same Interjection is used here in verse number 1 as was used in chapter 4 and verse 13. He says, come now. Come now. James put down people who put their faith in their possessions. Listen up very closely. Instead of putting your faith in your possessions, you ought to put your faith in the one who possesses you. Put your faith in the one who possesses you. And be generous with others. Be generous. Be kind with others. I love the children's message this morning about the honey. I, I love honey. I was so glad when I saw it come in the mail the other day. It came in the mail, you know. Open it up. I'm like, wow, honey. <laughs> I love some honey. I don't know about you, but I love honey. And, and look, you can get more flies with honey than with vinegar. That's right. That's right. And so be generous with people with your words. Be generous and kind with people and how you interact with them. Let's look here specifically at this passage of Scripture. The riches result. Riches result. Up here in verse number 1, James speaking, says, Weep and howl. It could be elaborated as to burst into tears, or even howl with grief. We have two dogs. One's a beagle, and one's a Yorkie. The beagle, when we first got her, she was a little timid, a little skittish. We didn't know if she knew how to bark or not. 
When I say little, Sarah's eyes got really big. She wasn't just a little. She was very, very timid. At first, she only wanted to be around Sarah and then Savannah, um, them at first. And then she warmed up to me, and then she warmed up to Micah. And basically, it took her a while to warm up to people. But now... We just, just sometime in the recent few months, she's found her wag and her bark. And since she's a beagle, her bark is a howl. And she will howl at things. It doesn't even, doesn't even matter if there's anything to howl at, is what it kind of seems like to me. She'll be howling. Well, that's kind of the picture here of howling out, just howling out. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 24, we read this, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Basically, he said, the only consolation you're going to have is your wealth, is your riches. Money brings merriment only temporarily. Wealth will eventually end in misery, in misery. Riches rot, and even clothes may get chewed up by moths. This story here, you know, a lot of times we hear stories on television and we love to watch them when it talks about someone that goes from rags to riches, right? Well, here in this story, James is talking about the wealthy going from riches to rags. And we need to take heed to what he is saying here. If you were to look around the world, around the entire world, everyone in this room and probably everyone in the sound of my voice Everyone, and there may be a few exceptions, but very few, is wealthier than two-thirds of those living in the world. That's hard for us to believe, and many people think you may scoff at that, but just look it up. Everyone in this room is wealthier than two-thirds of those in the world. And so I want to say this. You may have, you may have heard me read it and say, boy, I'm, he's not talking about me. And I could have said the same. He's not talking about me. I'm not rich. I'm not wealthy. But he is talking about us. And we need to be careful. Be very careful. I need to be careful. You need to be careful. We need to be careful when it comes to things, when it comes to possessions in our lives. So riches results. Look at verse 2. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. You ever gone, I mean, to put on some clothes, maybe a shirt or something, like, how did that hole get in there? How did that hole get in my shirt? For me, it may be a favorite shirt that I've worn over and over and over again. I probably wore a hole in it, okay? But if, it, but if that's not the case, what in the world came from? Probably a moth. Maybe it's a defect in the clothing, but probably a moth. Maybe it got in there, maybe ate away. Riches results. You go from riches to rags. Riches reach. Verses 3 and 4, riches reach. Gold and silver are the most sought-after metals and have long been the material standards of the world. We know that they do not rust, right? They don't rust, but they do become corroded. Gold can darken and silver can tarnish. Their corrosion is a testimony to the rich man's folly that will take and consume his flesh like fire. As metals... Lose their luster, the poison of greed also eats people up. Romans 2 verse 5 says this, But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Verse 4, Indeed, the wages of the laborers 
who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of, you would mean would say Sabbath. That actually is Sabaoth, they're same, but it's just a different way of, of uh, writing it out. It's reached the Lord's ears. It's reached his ears what has been done. For the sake of riches. But then those verses 5 and 6, riches resistance. Listen very closely. It's not wealth itself that is condemned here, but the greedy attitude toward it. God is not deaf to the cries of injustice that comes from those who have been mistreated, monetarily speaking. Um, now, the Jewish converts, they were well aware of God's law, forbidding, holding back wages, and oppressing the poor. In the original language here, Look again at verse 5. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. Luxury there is only used here in the New Testament, and it means to lead a soft life. To lead a soft life. Maybe that's why I say a lot of times, living in the lap of luxury. A soft life. Wanting more and more wealth, the rich use their influence in the courts of justice, and in the process, they would even bring condemnation and death on the just or the innocent people. What began as an interest in money ended up, verse 6, as an insensitivity even to murder. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Listen to Luke 16, 19 through 21. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. There is a story about a rich man and Lazarus. Some type people mistaking will say a parable, but it's not a parable, because in parables, uh, every time there's not actual people's names mentioned. And so this was true, what happened here. And then you know the story. The rich man, Lazarus, both died. Lazarus ended up, they say, in the bosom of Abraham, that is in heaven. And then the rich man ended up in hell. And so the rich man from hell, he said, he said to Lazarus, he said to God, he said, God, if you can get Lazarus to take, put a little water on his little, little bitty finger and just take and dip it and give it to me, I am tormented in this place, said nothing I can do about that because there's a gulf fixed between us. He cannot go to you and you cannot come to him. A believer who seeks spiritual growth dare not become caught up in the accumulation of wealth for himself. He should share his possessions of God's glory and the good of others. So this is about our heart, really, right? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so this is about our heart. How's your heart? How's your heart today? Living right side up and upside down world. Prepare your heart. And then your heart will in turn prepare you. Be generous with others. I mean... There's a lot in here in verses 1 through 6, very kind of 
talking about riches, talking about all this kind of stuff, and can be warnings, can seem negative. But I wanted to take and flip it for us. Be generous with others. Be generous with those around you. Be generous with, with those that maybe don't even know. You see someone standing on the side of the road and God prompts your heart that you need to do something for them. If you don't have a blessing bag in your car, well, get a one-gallon bag, put water in there, peanut butter, crackers, socks, put different things in there, put it in your car. Next time you go by, give it to them. But if God tells you when you drive by them to give them something and you're convicted as I am, I don't give money uh, to them, then guess what? Go to the convenience store, buy them some, some food and some drink and take it back to them. Be generous with others. Be generous with people. And when the Lord tells you to do something, the Lord says you need to do this, then that's what you need to do. You don't need to say, well, what if this, what if that. If the Lord's told you to do it, he'll take care of the what ifs. You just do it. Be generous with others. Also be patient with others. Now this one Hits us all square between the eyes, does it not? Just think about driving down the road. Just driving down the road in Pensacola traffic, in nine-mile road construction, which never ends. Jesus will return before nine-mile road construction is finished. But just think about it. how many times you're down the road, okay? Or you're in line at a fast food drive-through. Other than Chick-fil-A, they're not going fast enough for you, you know. And so, I mean, or you get behind somebody and you're like, the speed limit is 55, and you look down, and both people, right and left lane, they're trying to see if they can just stay right with each other. They must love each other a lot, right? And you're thinking, somebody make a move so I can make a move. Maybe it's, maybe it's in um, line at a grocery store. And you keep looking. And you know, if you're like me, you look for the shortest line, right? Well, I've got wisdom now. I, don't look, for, I look for the longest one. Because what's going to happen is I'm either going to outweight the people in front of me. And they're going to say, forget, I'm going over here. And I'll move up and I'll move up. Or if you go to the shortest one, invariably, I need a price check on this one right here. Now, nowadays, not a lot of price check going on, but, but something happens. There's always something that happens, you know, before you get up there. Be patient with others. Just be patient with others. And it's, it's tough. It really is tough because that's one thing we in America, we want it and we want it not now, but yesterday, you know. And so... Even when you go through a fast food line, that's what's so amazing to me. If you're sitting in a fast food line, if you're in there for longer than five minutes, you're upset. Matter of fact, a lot of fast food places inside, I hear, I've seen it at one of them. I can't remember which one it was, but they actually have like a timer going. they, They tell you how long the person's been waiting in line, and they have a goal of how long they should wait in line to get fast food that they didn't have to go out and buy. They didn't have to prepare. They just paid for it and came out the window to them. You know, we just need to be more patient. And I say we, I'm included. We all need to be more patient with others. Look at verse 7 through 12. From the rich, James now turns to those who are restless. He uses the friendly address here. He says, therefore, be patient, brethren. 
brethren. That's all of us. The tone now turns from a stark condemnation to sensitive consolation. James appealed to his brethren to be patient. And so what he does here, verse 7 through 12, he defines the essence of patience. He gave some examples of patience, and then he indicated the evidence of patience. James encouraged the church to be patient. The word here for patience is a compound Greek word. Okay, so I will say these um, two words that go together. First one is macros. Macros, meaning long. Okay, micro versus macro. Macros, long. And themos, which is temper. So have a long temper. I believe a lot of the words we get in our English language we kind of got from the Bible, from Greek understanding. How many times do people say they are short-fused? Or short-tempered. Here, it says have a long temper. The idea is to set one's temper for a long run. Think long. Focus on the final lap in the race of life. Have a long fuse. Look ahead to the Lord's coming. The essence of patience here is seen in the farmer who waits patiently for the rains and ultimately the precious fruit. Back during this time, you didn't have irrigation systems. Okay, now they didn't have aqueducts. But they would take and run water down on top of the wall, and they would run it to different places. But they did not have irrigation systems. So when they planted, they completely had to rely on the Lord. They had to rely on him to bring the rain, early rain, the latter rain it talks about here. And so they would have a good crop. And then ultimately they'd have this precious fruit from their crop. The application is very clear. Just like the farmer, every believer should be patient and stand firm. Establish your hearts. Prepare your heart. The Lord's return, it says here in verse 8, um, should stimulate every believer. Listen. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Man, we had a great Bible study this morning in our class. It was It was wonderful. I mean, I, I got so excited uh, and just enjoying the class and um, thinking about the Lord's return. Who knows? I mean, we are definitely closer today than we were yesterday. And we don't know when exactly it's going to be. The table is set, and Jesus could return at any time. And when he returns, the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for his return? But here what... James is saying is this, you be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord's hand. That's why you want to be patient. That's why you want to prepare your heart. It's because the Lord's coming is at hand. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, then verse 33. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for neither moth nor rust destroys... And where thieves do not break in and steal, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What if Jesus returned today? Could you say that, that you're being patient? Could you say that you're being generous with your life and others? I got a short video clip. Help us think about that a little further.
Now, it is the question, isn't it? It's not about when will he return, but what will we do before he does? Let's continue in this message, the last few verses here. In verse 9, James talking about patient people. He was saying that in view of Christ's return, believers should cease the petty conflicts that James talked about in chapter 4. Let's look again in verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. As children in a school classroom look out for their teacher's soon return, God's children should be on guard for Christ's return. In so doing, good behavior and also mutual harmony with one another is essential. Matthew 5, 12 says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. James reminded his Jewish brothers and sisters of the prophets who endured much suffering with patience. Once again, that same word I talked about, that long-temperedness that they had. As they spoke out in the name of the Lord. Hebrews, we looked at Hebrews this morning. Um, Hebrews is a powerful book. Um, I want to encourage you, if you've never read the book of Hebrews, read it. Um, And uh, as you do read it, you're going to understand as you read throughout that book, Jesus is greater than. Greater than. Everything that he mentions in Hebrews, Jesus is greater than that. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the sacrifice the Old Testament uh, priest made, even the high priest made. He is greater than all that. Hebrews 10, 36 through 38 says this, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Living right side up in an upside down world, prepare your heart, and then your heart will prepare you for what's necessary. So patient people, patient perseverance. I want to remind you of James 1.12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has already promised to those who love him. Who endures temptation, who endures Temptation endures the struggles of life. Who is a better example of this in the Old Testament than Job? Job's a powerful example of enduring under such great temptation. I mean, he was tempted to just say things against God and die. He endured such suffering. Listen to Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. Then Job arose, he tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell down to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Job 2, verse 10. This is after his his wife came to him, and she, she loved him. She was concerned for him and all that was going on in his life. And she said to him, why don't you just curse God and, and die? And he says this. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. 
Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. This was Job's heart. His heart, he had prepared his heart, then his heart had prepared him. Patient perseverance. Look down at verse 12, the last verse we're looking at here this morning. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. James concludes, do not swear or take an empty oath. For those who are truly demonstrate the persistence and patience prescribed for all of us as believers, there's no need to invoke an oath, whether by heaven or by earth, that their word is certain. Now, here where it says, um, do not swear, swear does not refer to profanity here, but refers to taking an oath. The testimony to be such that when one says yes, it means yes. When one says no, that's just what it means, no. Now here's a little funny aside. How many times have you been offered for me uh, some dessert and at first you said no, but then you said yes? And that's a silly little example, but the reality is what James is saying here, if someone asks you, for something, or if, you, or if you're going to do something, and you say, yes, I'm going to. If it's within your power, you better follow through what you said you're going to do. Or if it's no, then no. The testimony should be such that when one says it, they know what's going to happen. The soon return of the Lord, the judge stands at the door, it says, in verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. This should be motivation and enough for this kind of honesty and trustworthiness, lest we be condemned or fall into judgment, as the Bible says. The reality is this. We're living in a world that really is upside down. And if we're going to live right side up, then instead of being greedy... We need to be generous. Instead of being impatient or, or, you know, irritable, we need to be patient. If we want to truly live right side up and upside down world. And I want to encourage you today. The way that you do that is by preparing your heart. Then as you've prepared your heart, prepared your heart, and prepared your heart, then it's like your heart just prepares you. It's kind of like anything that you do in life, whether it be in school, whether it be in athletics, whether it be in some extracurricular activity, maybe it's in sports. This weekend coming up, they're going to have the spring show, so maybe it's in 4-H or FFA and you're raising animals. Anything you do, it takes practice, and it takes perseverance, and it takes doing it over and over and over again. And finally, guess what? It becomes kind of what? Second nature, Right? Second nature. And so 
Same thing with your heart. If you prepare your heart and you ask, Lord, please prepare my heart. Please prepare my heart. Help me be more like you. Help me to be more loving. Help me be more kind. Help me be more generous. Help me be more patient. And you do that over and over again. Before you know it, all of a sudden you're just going to be more generous. You'll be more patient. I'm not saying that there's never going to be times where you're tested or you're tried or whatever it may be in your life. And something comes along the way and you have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I confess this sin to you. Help me to get back on the right path with you again. But as you prepare your heart, the Lord will then in turn, your heart will then prepare you for the situations you face in your life. And today with, with society, with our media, social media and otherwise, you hear all kind of things. And you've heard it so much, it starts to sound right. But you need to focus on two things. The Holy Scripture and the Holy Spirit as a believer that bears witness with your spirit about what is right. Just because someone says a lie over and over and over and over again does not make it the truth. And so, living life right side up in an upside down world, you're going to be going against the flow. You're going to be going against what society says, what culture says. And the first thing, the very first thing that you need to do, if you have not done this yet, the first thing you've got to do, living right side up and upside down world, is you need to receive Christ. You need to say yes to Jesus. Ask him to come and be in your life. I've talked about this before, and um, many times I will say, ask him into your heart. The reality is, what that really means is in the center of your being and all that you are, Jesus is there. And he ought to not just be there like a little rabbit's foot when you just need him. Now, I know he ought to be the center of your life. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says that God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that is so, so, so loving, so caring, so kind, so compassionate for Jesus to do that. He didn't wait for you and I to get better. He did it while we were in our sin. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus, he walked up the hill of Calvary. He died on the cross for our sins, shed his blood for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. And then he ascended into heaven. And now he's waiting to come back. He's waiting to come back, take us home to be with him. And so if you'd like to receive Jesus today, you can right now, right where you are. You have just heard a message from God's Word, and now it's your chance to respond. What is God calling you to do in response to today's message? Let us know by going to hbcmolino.com forward slash life. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today on the Highland Network. Enjoy your day.